March 24th, 2022. We're in Masechet Sanhedrin. Let's go to the bottom of Dafnun Teta Mudalf once again. Two, two lines before the end of the page. Says the Gemara, If you recall, there are many circumstances in which a mitzvah was commanded to Bnei Noach, but then Nishnet, it was repeated at Sinai or after Sinai to Bnei Yisrael. Those sorts of mitzvot, ones which were not just beforehand, but were repeated again afterwards, are which means to say the Bnei Noach maintained their obligation with regards to those. We know them as the Sheva Mitzvot Bnei Noach. If you're other opinions, maybe a few more than Sheva Mitzvot, but those are those Mitzvot. But they're commanded, of course, to Am Yisrael as well, who received, in addition to those seven, 606 others. But that's the principle, that any of the Mitzvot that were stated before Ma'amad Sinai and then repeated again afterwards, are both for us and for them, asks the Gemara. Two challenges, you might recall them, we read them yesterday. V'hare milah. What about Berit Milah? That was stated before Ma'amad Har Sinai. It was stated, it was commanded to Bnei Noach. Of course, it's to Abraham specifically, which will be a second answer of the Gemara in a bit. But for now, it's for humanity to a certain extent, at the very least before Ma'amad Har Sinai. It was repeated at Sinai. That was commanded, the mitzvah of milah, only to Yisrael, not to Bnei Noach. Who told you? That's the Gemara's assumption. Who said that milah is only for Yisrael, not for Bnei Noach? Certainly we know this. Certainly you are aware of this. Is there some sort of textual uh, evidence that we can bring forth? Rashi, at the very top of the page, says, I'll tell you how I know this. I'll tell you how we know this, because it's not one of the Sheva mitzvot. After all, we have a list of the Sheva mitzvot, nitztabu Bnei Noach, the seven mitzvot Bnei Noach. It's not one of them. Clearly they're not commanded. The counter, the question on Rashi is that we saw at the top of Dafnun Teta Mudal, at the top of the other page, the last page, that the Gemara stated, for example, that Shabbat, or the violation, the obligatory violation, remember Rabbi, of Bnei Noach of Shabbat, is not one of the seven, because the seven are B'Sheva Ta'aseh, things that they're not to do, not things that they're supposed to be doing, not B'Kum Ve'aseh, and in turn, how's that a viable proof of Rashi? Rashi's bringing proof, how do I know Bnei Noach are not commanded in Milah, because it's not one of the seven, but it wouldn't be appropriate for one of the seven. Milah, after all, is B'Kum Ve'aseh. Tosafot uh, as a result, brings a different answer, but in resolving for Rashi, as a, for resolving for Rashi, several suggest along the following lines, that the Torah commands not only that we do a milah, but if we don't do a milah, there's a hiyuv karet, right? The Torah says, v'nichreta, it says it in the context of Korban Pesach, it says it again afterwards. person doesn't do milah, it says it by Abraham Avinu, person doesn't do milah, is nichrat me'ameh, gets cut off. To argue that this is only a mitzvah, bekum ve'aseh, not b'shevartaseh, that doesn't expand beyond uh, just something that you're doing, but so to speak, if you sit without doing it, you're punished as well, it's not a typical kum ve'aseh mitzvah. In other words, if I talk about a kum ve'aseh mitzvah, I talk about, for our purposes, putting on tefillin, I talk about uh, sounding the shofar and so forth. Those are bekum ve'aseh, if you didn't do it, we're not talking about karet, we're saying you lost that merit. Milah, the fact that you didn't do milah, you get karet, it's almost as if there's something b'sheva al-ta'aseh as well, it's almost as if having an orlah, just leaving that orlah is asur. That's why it could have been included. Alternatively, different answers, but that's how we would work with Rashi. Says the Gemara, that's my problem. You told me any mitzvah which was stated before Ma'amat Sinai, and then again afterwards, 
both for us and for them obligated, but not Milah. Answers the Gemara, Milah is only repeated after Ma'amad Tarsinai, not just blatantly, not just plainly, that's the mitzvah hahu, lemishre shabbatu de'ata. Mila was repeated for a detail, a necessary detail, not just to tell me about the mitzvah, it was just to tell me about mitzvah, that's right. It would be both for B'nai Noach and for Yisrael. It didn't just tell me about the mitzvah. It told me a particular detail. That's why it was repeated. What's that? L'mishre Shabbat. To say that Shabbat is, uh, Milah is Doha et Shabbat. Whereas Milah could have and should have been prohibited on Shabbat. We have a derasha. Bayom, the pasuk says, Bayom HaShemini Yimol Besar Orlato Ba'afilu B'Shabbat. Instead of just saying on the 8th, it says on day 8, to tell you as long as it's on that day, that day is the day that must have Milah on it, irrespective of whether it's Shabbat or any other day. It's the day which obligates and in turn Milah is Dohat Shabbat, which means to say we answered our question. We wanted to know we have Milah before and after. We stated and we discussed now in class how we know it's only for Yisrael, and now we answered, even though it's after, eh, it's not really after a command, it's afterwards, it's a footnote. Afterwards, it's you turn to the back and you read the fine print. It's, you know, in the books where the halakha is at the top. That's the before Har Sinai. Then the details are on the bottom. So the ubayom hashimini is the details at the bottom. It's not considered a repetition, says the Gemara, but I have others. What about vahare pirya verivya shene imra noah? Pirya verivya is a command both to b'nei noah, dikhtiva temperu urvu. And there's a command to procreate. Before we even explain the content, or the context as well, of that pasuk, uh, let's just pause for a second and ask, how do we know B'nai Noach? Same question I asked you a moment ago. How do we know B'nai Noach are not obligated in procreation? Maybe they are. Again, the question is, if it was repeated after Har Sinai and stated beforehand as well, clearly it's only for Yisrael. That's what we established on the bottom of the last page. And how do you deal with periyavirivya? How do you deal with procreation? Who said non-Jews are not obligated in procreation? Maybe they are. Tosafot suggests in the top right-hand corner, Tosafot says, well, it's not one of the seven. Well, that's fantastic proof, says Tosafot, just like Rashi told us by Milah. If it's not part of the seven, then clearly they're not a part of this. This is not a part of them. They're not obligated in periyavirivya. Tosafot questions themselves the way we questioned Rashi. Periyavirivya, procreation, is bekum va'aseh. Procreation, by definition, is something I'm doing actively in order to bring forth lineage, in order to produce children. That's not b'shevah ta'aseh. And my list of seven is only b'shevah ta'aseh. How do you explain that? Answers Tosafot, well, you should know anybody, their assumption and knowledge is, anybody who's obligated in Piryavarivya is obligated on the flip side of not doing. What's not doing? Hashhatat zera, says Tosafot. If a person is obligated in using zera to create, to create zera and creating children through procreation, clearly they're warned as well in the Sheval Taseh. Sheval Taseh means you're not using zera to create zera, and that in turn would be the Sheval Taseh. That's Tosafot's suggestion here in the top right hand corner. Goyim are not obligated. That's the point. Again, how do we know they're not obligated? Because they're not in the seven. Maybe they shouldn't be. They shouldn't be in the seven, even though they are obligated. There are. Says Tosaf. Oh, no, it still should be in the seven. Okay. Well, what the question is? That was the question of the Gemara at the top of Daf Nuntet Amudal. The Gemara asked this question. The Gemara said, "What about Dinim?" Answered the Gemara, if you recall, Dinim has both Kum Vaseh and Sheval Taaseh. On the one hand, Kum Vaseh do Mishpat, Lasot Sedaka Mishpat, and Sheval Taaseh Lo Taasu Avil, don't become corrupt. Remember, it was there was a Sheval Taaseh. 
there as well. But that was the question of the Gemara. Anyway, says the Gemara over here for our purposes. Uh, again, the Gemara for our purposes is stating, uh, is questioning. Piryavirivya uh, is stated before Ma'amad Sinai and then again afterwards, and only Am Yisrael are commanded, as we just explained. Where is it stated again? At Har Sinai or after Har Sinai? Says the Gemara in a pasuk at the time of Har Sinai. Immediately after Har Sinai, Akadosh Baruch Hu turns to Moshe and says, Ata po amod imadi, you stay with me. Tell everyone else, Shuvu lachem le'aholechem. What's Shuvu lachem le'aholechem? Literally, it means go back to your tents. Uh, you need to tell them, go back to what, we're going to stand around Har Sinai forever. The understanding of the Hachamim, maybe even the understanding of Peshat and Pesukim, is that the Ohel is a reference to uh, relations together with their wives. <laughs> That's how HaKadosh Baruch is speaking. Absolutely. He had just told them, Three days, don't involve yourself in relations. After Har Sinai, as the event is over, as the theatrics and spectacle has finished, he turns to Moshe and says, tell the people, go back and continue the regular family relations, that's shuvu lachem la'aholechem. It's not just a permissibility, it's a command. Go back and, and continue regular life with your wives, with your spouses. Well, all that being the case, that's the question of the Gemara. The question of the Gemara is, here's a command beforehand to B'nai Noach, Peru Urvu, and a command then afterwards, again, shuvu lachem la'aholechem. How do you explain this? Answers the Gemara, uh, questions the Gemara, Israel name Rav lo Noach, answers the Gemara, that one similar so the milah was for a particular detail. We didn't need a new command. Again, if it was stated just Beru Urvu, Chalas, it would have been just for Yisrael. Why is it stated again? For a detail. What's the detail? By Shabbat, you told me that it's do, by Mila, you told me that it's Dohai Shabbat. Over here, it's Ahu Lechol Davar Shebeminyan, Sarich Minyan Aher Lahatiro. A somewhat obscure law. But for those who are familiar with rabbinic law, understand this is probably the most important with regards to precedent. The principle goes like this, and then the details from Rashi and Tosavot. Well, the principle goes, if a betin, if a rabbinic assembly of some generation gets together, that's davar sheb'minyan, quote-unquote, they count each other. They make certain, we, we, we'll, we'll see this later on, nimnu v'gamru, when they determine that there are three averot that are yehareg v'yavor, nimnu v'gamru. They gathered together and they counted. You count to make certain. When you have an assembly, you, so to speak, vote on it. And you count the votes up. That's davar Biminyan. If it was an assembly of people, of rabbis, of leaders who were nimnu, they counted, they voted on this matter, it's called the davar Biminyan. Davar Biminyan has a strong authority to the extent that the only way to annul it in a future generation is Sarikh minyana You need to counter it with numbers again. Numbers and knowledge, very hard to do. Generally speaking, when something is called the Davash Biminyan in terms of a rabbinic establishment, they gather, we say it's 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 there, it's stuck in stone. And that's always the question. You're dealing with a din de is this a davar shebiminyan? This is always the question. If it's a davar shebiminyan, good luck doing away with it. If it's not a davar shebiminyan, okay, that's a, a separate conversation. Maybe they did it l'sha'av elo l'doro. Davar shebiminyan is not. So now, what's the davar shebiminyan over here? And what's, what's the reference? Well, over here, the understanding is God turns and with the authority of Betin, so to speak, says, three days, hayu nechonim. So no, no relations for three days. The only way that that would then be permitted is minyan acher, is now HaKadosh Baruch Hu standing in as the Beit Din again. All right, now it's permitted. That's the concept of minyan and then minyan acher. Now the interesting thing is Rashi on the left-hand side suggests that this is even when there's a time limit. After all, it said... Uh, three days means you have an expiration day. It means after 72 hours, 
you know, that's the buzzer. Now, go v'shuv lachem la'ol lachem. Really? We need our permissibility? Says Judah, I told you not to, and now I'm permitting you, and I'm specifically, I always imagine a little differently. It's speaking to the Sadiqim. The Sadiqim said, we're going to stay and we're going to study, we'll hang out and whatever. Says God, do me a favor, just go eat a little and then come back. Anyway, so it's the, or, or, or to the Rishayim, alternatively, I didn't see it that way. I need more than just keep up. Do me a favor. Anyway, in context of our Gemara, now that's the interesting part. Says Rashi, even though there's a time limit, even though there was Sheloshet Yamim, you still need a Minyan You understand what that means. That means even if the rabbinic assembly determines for 10 years this is the establishment, you still need a Minyan No, 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 what do you mean? Their resolution was for 10 years. The, the precedence being this one. Three days, three days no involvement. You still need a minyan It's a crazy fact. If, if Rashi stands, stands, the, stands his ground on this matter, that makes rabbinic establishments all that more uh, strong. It gives them the authority that even though they put a time limit, you can't annul it in future... At that time, just heck it, you need another minyan, you need another resolution, and you need to be able to put things together. Tosafot, it's one of these rare occurrences. Tosafot says, you should know Rashi retracted his opinion. Yes, we've talked in previous weeks about retraction, maybe in other contexts. Retractions is never simple if they don't say it themselves, but it's Tosafot, you know, it's not, uh, it's not me. Anyway, Tosafot claims Rashi retracted it. What about the Pasuk that says three days? means prepare yourself because we're going to get the Torah in three days. It doesn't mean just for three days. And therefore, says Tosafot, just saying no relations with women. He's not giving a time limit. He's saying we're getting the Torah in three days. Get ready for that in the next three days. And as a result, says Tosafot, when it comes to establishments, even if, excuse me, when there's a time limit, and it expires. If there is no time limit, that is, excuse me, if the, yes, if there is no time limit, that's when you're sarikh minyan ahel hatiro. That's the, that's the conversation, that's the discussion and situation with regards to davar shebiminyan alkseha mazleg, just on, 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 one, uh, on one leg. That's the conversation. Uh, again, it, it's a larger and very important one. Anytime you deal with a dindra banan that's mentioned in the Gemara, anytime you deal with a takana over the course of generations, you have to ask yourself, and we always do, is this davar shebiminyan? In other words, I say, batil ta'amo, its reason is gone. I don't have that reason. Is it davar shebiminyan? If it's davar shebiminyan, you still need minyan ahila atiro. Not so simple to deal with. Okay, for our purposes, that's how the Gemara answers the second question of Piriyavirivya. Says the Gemara, if that's so, kol hada hada nema mishum milta itne. Wait a second, I don't understand. What you just did effectively was I brought you Mila, I brought you Piriyavirivya, and each one of them said, eh, each one of them told me it's just because of the detail. It's not the mitzvah per se, it's the detail. Maybe I'll do that with every single one of the Sheva mitzvot. I'll say, well, the Torah commands Avodah Zarah. It repeats it again afterwards. We've been saying until now, so B'nai Noach and we are commanded. Maybe not. Maybe the only reason it's repeated afterwards is for the Halakha Shibu. Uh, the Torah tells B'nai Noach, Shofech Dam Ba'adam Damo Yishafech, and so forth. No Shvichut And it repeats it again afterwards. Lo Tirsah. And maybe the Lotir Sach and any repetition after is just for the details, which means to say, I'll do away with all Sheva Mitzvot and B'nai Noah Har, scot free, they can live a life in which they have no prohibitions and no commands. 
I just did it with Milah, I just did it with Piriyav Yeah, I could do it with all the mitzvot. I can find reason for their repetition in the Torah. I have plenty of Masechtot, of Mishnayot, and Gemarot, which teach laws based on Pesukim. I'll be able to say, that's why it's repeated. We've effectively done away with Sheva Mitzvot. Says the Gemara, Hacheka Amar Azhara Mehader Umitna Ba Lamali. Says the Gemara, no, 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 it, it works like this. Listen, when there's a Azhara, just the warning, which is repeated... In that circumstance, when I look at the warning which is repeated, I say about that warning, oh, that warning is to include Yisrael and to keep it by B'nai Noah. The fact that there are details attached, I understand. That could be. But why did you need to repeat the warning? In other words, if there's already a shofech dam ha'adam, the only thing the Torah could and should tell me later on is the details of Resiha. Why does it need to repeat as well? Lo tirsah. When there's already Surah Avodah Zarah, the Torah should later on tell me the details. Why does it repeat the warning, the prohibition? That's coming to be inclusive of Israel, something that you don't have by Piriyah Verivyan Milah. Says the Gemara, okay, last words in that Beraita, if you recall, were Ve'en lanu ela gidhanashe bilvad. And so the only matter that you can find, according to one opinion, as we said, of Rabbi Uda, is that you have it before the Torah, not repeated again after the Torah. Otherwise, the other seven are before and after. What's the one that's stated before, and as a result, it's only for us and not for them? That was Gid Hanashin, not eating the sciatic nerve. Why was it according to Rabbi Uda? Because Rabbi Uda and Masechet Holin and Dafkov, he understands that that Pasuk Alken Lo Yochilu was stated in the moment. As Yaakov is walking away, Soleh Al Yerecho, he's living. God, so to speak, says, oh, for that reason, in the future, this should, nobody's going to eat this. Nobody should be eating from this part of the animal. Well, that being the case, that's our only one. Says the Gemara, wait, wait a second. You're telling me that's the only one which was stated before and then not repeated afterwards? I found two more. We just dealt with them. Mila and Piriyah it's a strange thing in the Beraita, Beraita says, I only could find one. And then the Gemara says, by the way, we have two more. Uh, you have two more, you understand what you just said? You just negated the Beraita. The Beraita says, I only have one mitzvah, which was stated to B'nai Noach, and not repeated again afterwards. No, no, you told me Milah, you told me Piriyah, Virivyah. As a matter of fact, I was challenging you on the two of those and asking, why is it only for Yisrael? And you told me, because the second part is only the details. That means it should be a part of the Beraita. And says the Gemara, you're right. It could have been. We could have mentioned three. However, says the Gemara, Hane itne alma, ha la itne kilal. Mila and Piriyah are repeated. They're just leshum milta. Milta means a thing. Be'alma in the world, something out there. Details. Gid Hadashe, the sciatic nerve is never repeated. Which means to say, yes, technically speaking, there's not a new warning with regards to those other two, Mila and, and Piriyavrivya. However, they are repeated. Gid Hadashe, literally, we have radio silence after Ma'amad Har Sinai on that. Okay, well, that'll be in the case. The Gemara has one last matter on this issue, and then we move a little bit forward. So, I want to just go back for a moment to the question from Mila. The question from Milah, if you recall, the question from Milah went as follows. I have Milah before Har Sinai to Abraham, we called it to B'nai Noah, and then I have it again afterwards. And yet, only Israel are commanded in Milah. How do we know? Okay, we discussed that, but they're only commanded. That was a question. The Gemara gave its answer. No, the repetition was only for Shabbat detail. A different answer. Here's our different answer. Milah Initially, that mitzvah of milah was never, was never stated for everyone. 
In other words, your question is, if it's stated before and then repeated afterwards, it should be for everyone. That's true. If the initial statement, if the initial command was for everyone, the initial command of Mila was not for everyone. How so? Quote unquote, Ve'ata et biriti tishmor ata v'zaracha acharecha ledorotam. Ata v'zaracha in. Explicitly says, you and your lineage, you and your descendants, you and your seed. That's it. It wasn't ever for all of B'nai Noach. Question is, why aren't all B'nai Noach a part of Milah? It was stated before Hasinai and then again afterwards. It was stated before Hasinai only for Abraham. If it was only for Abraham, we're not going to extend that to others. The question is null and void. It doesn't begin. The question only begins if it was initially for all of B'nai Noach and then repeated again. It was never for all of B'nai Noach. It's for Abraham and his descendants. It's not for all B'nai Noach. Everyone else from the descendants of Shem are not a part of this. Whereas all the Sheva Mitzvot, we assume my next door neighbor Christopher and my uh, other one Tom are all commanded in this as well. Over here it's only if they're from the lineage of Abraham. Do you follow? Um, why'd they bring it in the first place, someone said? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's a good question. Why was Mila ever a challenge? They should have known this answer, Kivyachol. Right, you, could, you could often ask that sort of question. You could often ask that sort of question. I will tell you, you know, in this... What we find today that Mila is a good advice. Yes. No, we find 80% of Americans... For health reasons. Yeah, health. Yeah. The Egyptian... But really, really, um, really, you know, it's amazing because you could say it, it, is, it, is, a, it is good advice for everybody and then maybe it was commanded. There's no stuff. No, I'm just saying, but it maybe it was made just for their sake. So, the, thing, by the way, so, so Mars, you know, on your point, I'm just going to... What is taking down Europe is the fact that they don't have kids. Right. So they brought in all these Arabs. Okay, but ultimately speaking, they're not commanded. So you're going to say this beautiful shortish led davar, no, really, together, together with your political advice, advice. yeah. But, but what, I, but what I will tell you, Morris, what you brought forth separately, what you triggered in my mind separately, I'm, I'm going to turn this back into a Torah conversation, um, it, what you triggered in my mind separately, yeah, yeah. So, so what you, what, you know, where'd the coffee go? I, I, with, without your coffee is so charged, yeah. So I, so for most people, coffee gets them going. For you, the coffee, I guess. Uh, anyway, um, what I will tell you is, is the answer to Nathan potentially is that the initial uh, approach of the Gemara is uh, that In other words, along the lines of Judah's, initially our assumption was, and it might even be the first opinion, this is something that all B'nai Noach are commanded in words, The answer is they're not, but we could have imagined it as have been applicable to all of them. And maybe it was then done away with at Harsi in some way, the fact that it, it's something along those lines, as opposed to this one, it was never even envisioned for all of B'nai Noach. You know, it's along the same lines what I'm about to say with regards to this answer. There's a classic question. You see, the Gemara in several places says that the Avot were Mekayim Kola Torah Kula. Not meant to be taken in the absolute literal sense. Meant to be that they tapped into the truths of every mitzvah. That's the way Nefesh HaHayim and Ramchal and several others suggest how to read that. In other words, we do mitzvot. It has 613 specific commands. They did life and they were able to tap into the truths of each of those in their relationship with God. However, Abraham needed an explicit command of Milah. Why do you need an explicit command of Milah? Wasn't he tapped into that beforehand? Wasn't he fulfilling quote-unquote all 613? Didn't he know about that? So there are many answers suggested. Even some of the Rishonim weigh in on this. But one answer that I once read which really very much touched me is the following. It says that a Milah by definition is a Berit Milah. Berit means a covenant. A covenant means it's between me and you. It means 
means that I can't enter into this heke because I know this is a good idea. It's not a good idea unless we cut this covenant together. It needed the invitation from HaKadosh Baruch Hu in order to be considered a mitzvah of berit milah. You can't have a mitzvah of milah if it's not covenantal. It is a berit milah. A berit, by definition, means I turn into this and we shake hands on this. If we didn't shake hands, Shabbat would be along the same lines of Oti, question on the Devar Torah, but okay. Anyway, that being the case, that's the suggestion, that's the reason I mentioned that over here is to say, Mila at its onset was Berit. It couldn't have been for everyone else. It was Atav Zarakha Harecha. Says the Gemara, accepting what you just told me, <coughs> that only Bene Abraham, but Bene Abraham are all commanded in Mila, Bene Ishmael Lehayevu. Maybe the uh, descendants of Ishmael should be Hayav in Mila. And apparently, says the Gemara, we know they're not. Again, that, that goes back to the initial conversation we had earlier that it's not a part of Shefa Mitzvot. Or for some other reason, the Gemara knows that only Yisrael are commanded. Why aren't Bnei Ishmael commanded? If this is a command to Abraham and his descendants, answers the Gemara, Ki haki Khazara. The, the Pasuk says that um, who is going to be considered the Zera? After all, the Pasuk says, Zaracha Aharecha, Ki Yitzhak. It's Yitzhak who's going to be Yitzhak as opposed to Yishmael. So when the Pasuk says that you and your descendants, your Zera Aharecha, it's a reference to in turn, God explains it. Who's your Zera? Yitzhak. Wait a second. Bene Isav Lehayevu. Isav, the descendant of Yitzhak. Anyone who comes from Isav should be Hayav Mila. Here's where Be Yitzhak Velo. Yitzhak. So the Pasuk says not only Yitzhak, it's not ki Yitzhak yikare lechazera or zara. The Pasuk says ki be Yitzhak within Yitzhak, which means to say not even all of Yitzhak is your lineage. Al pi halacha says God. My vision of your lineage is from the line of Yitzhak, but then even in the line of Yitzhak, cut out a little bit. Really? They're not the descendants of. No, they are the descendants of Abraham. They're not the descendants of Abraham with regards to Am Yisrael, with regards to the continuity. Says the Gemara Matkifla Rav Oshaya, the question of Rav Oshaya, Ela Me'ata. What about the following? Bene Ketura lo lehayevu. At the end of Abraham's life, Bereshit, Perek, Kafe, if I'm not mistaken, Sarai Menu has already passed away, and Abraham takes a new wife. What's her name? Ketura. Who was Ketura? Okay, Midrashim. We know she's Ketura. Anyway, and he has several children with Ketura. Now, the Gemara says, we, then, according to what you just told me, Bnei Keturah should not be commanded, or the way Rashi explains it, Abraham should not be commanded to give them Milah. Now that's a question. Is it really a question? Maybe not. Maybe Abraham didn't give them a milah. The assumption of the Gemara for one reason or another, and the Mefarshim debate and grapple with this, is Abraham did give Bnei Keturah a milah. Ask the Gemara, why did he give them a milah? They're not commanded. Who's commanded a milah? Yitzhak. And from Yitzhak, Yaakov. He gave to Ishmael because God told him to give to Ishmael. Keturah is lo- much later. It's later on the game. Later in the game, Ha'amar answers the Gemara. The truth is, I understand what you're saying. There was a specific command. If you read carefully, even to Bnei Keturah, Ha'amar biyoseh baravin vitema. Rabbi Yoseh bahanina. The pasuk says et bereti hefa. Pasuk unnecessarily in telling us. In the context of Abraham giving his descendants a milah, those who don't, at Biriti, my Berit, my covenant, Hefar, he has neglected. Wow. So, so what's going on here? Abraham gave milah to his son Yitzchak, but he didn't give it to his other six children. The question is, it goes like this: He did give it to his other six children. But the question. 
One second. The question is, why did he give it to them? That's the initial question. The answer is, uh, Pasuk goes out of its way, and we understand that as God says to him, give it to all your descendants. What about their descendants? In other words, so now the understanding is Yishmael's descendants, you were comfortable saying, don't give it, don't right. get it. What about the sense of Keturah? For some reason, you're not comfortable. You're not comfortable because you've been around the Beit Midrash. Everybody knows. Harambam says, B'nei Keturah got milah. And they were giving milah. And until today, says Harambam, the B'nei Yishmael and B'nei Keturah, they intermarried. And that's why many of them have milah and they're involved in this. Okay, Rashi disagrees with that. You could read the Gemara as say, stating that, that there's a specific command to all of B'nai Keturah. The simple interpretation of the Gemara is Abraham gave to B'nai Keturah, as Rashi reads it, and then the descendants didn't need to be involved, but the initial first generation did. Amar of Yehuda, Marav, the Gemara now takes us in a little bit of a different direction, but back to, Ab- back to Adam Harishon, back to eating meat, back to Eva Minahai, but it gets in a little bit of a Midrashic direction with regards to these matters. There's a bunch of interesting Mahshavat to be derived from as well. This is a statement we talked about on Daf Nunzain. If you're calling Daf Nunzain, I read to you or I quoted to you Tosafot. Tosafot asks that we have from the Sheva Misfot, Evim in a high, not eating from flesh or a limb of an animal while it's alive. Wait a second, Adam Harishon wasn't allowed to eat any flesh whether it was alive or dead. That was a question of Tosafot. Tosafot gave their answer. We quoted one or two other answers. But that's the statement here in the Gemara. How do you know that Adam HaRishon had to be, by command of God, a vegetarian? Pasuk says that the ground, the Aysaf HaSadeh, will be for eating something that you can consume and for all the beasts of the land. The Dirasha goes as follows. Who's, who's it, who, what's allowed to eat and who's allowed to eat? You and the animals, you and the beasts will be able to eat from the grass vegetation growth of the ground. What, what is not permitted to eat, it appears, the animals. They can't eat you, you can't eat them. Again, Pasuk says, you want to know what you're going to eat, Adam and Hava? You're going to eat the ground. You're going to eat from the ground like the animals. Like the animals, but not eating the animals themselves. Ukshiba ubene Noah, but after the Mabul, you have the descendants of Noah, Hitilahim Akadosh Barhu then permitted flesh, permitted meat. That's the first steaks and the first chicken sandwich is Shine Imar. Kierek Aesif Natati Lachim et kol Akadosh Barhu says everything, all the animals are permitted to you like Yerek Aesif, like the growth of the ground. The understanding being in the days of Adam, you could only eat the growth of the ground. Today you can eat the animals as if it's the growth of the ground. Fascinating statement, fascinating realization. Many of us are familiar with this. What does that tell us? Not fully clear what that tells us, but we do understand some sort of primal initial existence being one in which we were vegetarians. It's only after the Mabu that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is permitting for us. Eating it touches, it taps into a message that we've talked about on many occasions, and that is how the Torah has embedded within one description both an ideal and then a real. Now this not to be taken in the, in the, in the practical sense per se. This is not a message, strive to be a vegetarian. It's conceptually the idea. We begin, this is the way Abar Benel explains it, we begin without the crutal, cru, cruelty and brutality of taking it out on animals with regards to killing in order to eat. 
That's how the Torah begins. Adam Harishon, there's no eating flesh. As a matter of fact, Tosafot, if you recall, stated if the animal died on its own, then you could eat from it. And that was the idea being we're distancing in an ideal world. There's no death whatsoever. We're not killing. We're not bringing forth that. But the world's not working. We're in the time of Noah. We have human beings. People are killing one another. So that's Baruch Hu. Let's act realistically. Let's now permit that for them because otherwise they're killing one another. The idea, again, being in our own lives, understanding Torah, understanding lives with children, with spouses, with, with, uh, with anyone that we're engaged with, there's an ideal level of relationship, but then there's a realistic one. And the Torah builds the two, one into the other. Not to state that, quote, we're, stri- we're going to arrive back at idealism and everyone should be a, 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 what's it called, a vegetarian. The Torah already tells us we need to consume meat, but describes for us a certain m- method and mode of existence and characteristic. Yes? The Tosafot says that if the animal is dead, then you could eat it. Yes. Is that considered a more ideal form of eating animals? Absolutely. Once upon a time, before the Torah. Again... But, no, but I, I got that. But Teddy, it's the that's same not, question. It's the same question. I got you. It's the same question. There's no killing. But Dafka, why shouldn't you say we should all be vegetarians today? No, I'm not saying we should all be vegetarians. Why isn't it also permitted to But I'm, I'm asking you the same question. In other words, why shouldn't we... The answer is... And the concept of it being... That now, now that I know, sh- we should be allowed to eat an animal uh, but, who dies. Without but I'm going to go step. Or alternatively, I don't want you. I, I want you, quote unquote, taking that that part of you out and refining it. I'm, I'm making this up as I go, but refine it. Refine your brutality. Do it in the most appropriate way with shahita, as opposed to alighting it, as opposed to the easy path. I mean, it's it's a general cut. Touches on another one of my thoughts, right? In other words, instead of taking the easy path over here, of taking only dead animals, kill the animal, but do it the right way. Anyway, says the Gemara onward, if that's so, says the Gemara, uh, we said that we permitted meat to B'nai Noah and their descendants afterwards. Were they allowed to eat uh, meat from the uh, from the live as well? Or did they have to kill before? The Pasuk says you're not allowed to eat meat or blood or anything of that. We discussed blood, we'll talk about it in a second again. Uh, from living organisms, from living beings, you can only eat it once you've killed it, which means Evmenachai was maintained or was a halakha. Is that even for those eight creepy crawling beings, they too have an isur of Evmenachai? Tamudomar, ach. Pasuk ach, in the time the Torah says, but ach, it's coming lemaet, it's coming to tell you, this is so for what I'm telling you, but not for others. Umay Talmudah, who said ach, but, is coming to exclude the shirasim, maybe it's coming to exclude something else, answers the Gemara, Maravuna, damo, mishe damo haluk mi besaro, yasiu shirasim, shen damam, haluk mi besaram. We've discussed and we've mentioned twice already that shirasim are different than behemot and hayot. When we talk about shirasim, halachically speaking, we don't distinguish their blood from their flesh. We Say they're one entity. When I look at an animal and I look at a hayah or a behemah, and off even, I say they have their flesh, they have their limbs, and they have their blood. When the pasuk talks about dam and nefesh and basar, all in the same pasuk, I say it's talking about things in which you could distinguish that's animals as opposed to shiratsim, which means to say that although Ever Minahai is an isur for B'nai Noach and the descendants afterwards, Ever Minahai of shiratsim is permitted. Baruch Adonai Amen, amen.